It's time again to bring our blessing, to bring a blessing to our God. What mercy He has shown, causing us to be born again. Born into a living hope, because our Christ is raised. Born into a family. Born into a future. Treasure endless and unfading. Held in heaven's hands. Hands that guard our hearts. Hearts that trust in God. Convinced that he will save us. Confident he will show himself. We stand now rejoicing. Even in the trial. Our fire-tested faith grows hot. Bringing glory to our God. We have never seen him. And still we love Him. We don't see Him now. And still we rejoice. Joy without words. Joy full of glory. We are being saved. Have been saved. Will be saved. We bring a blessing now to the Father of our Savior, our one and living hope. Good to see you tonight. I love that video, just uh, talking about the power of the gospel, and uh, we're going to be talking about that tonight um, as we consider this idea of loving our neighbors uh, and as we do this tonight, I want to I give you some very practical ways that we can do this. Hopefully you received a little paper as you came in that has some information that uh, Amelia put together for us and uh, some ways that we can do that, hopefully over the 4th of a July weekend because we won't be having services next Sunday night and uh, some ways that maybe we can do that this summer uh, in loving our neighbors. So that's where the Lord's leading us tonight as we consider his word. Um, Speaking of loving our neighbors, I read a story uh, about a woman who was bitten by a rabid dog. And it looked like she was going to die from rabies. And so the doctor told her to put her final affairs in order. And so she took out a pen and some paper and began to write furiously. And she just wrote and wrote and wrote and finally The doctor said, wow, that sure is a long will that you're making. And she snorted, will nothing. I'm making a list of all the people that I'm going to (laughs) bite. So maybe that's uh, not loving your neighbor. And you know what? Sometimes our neighbors make us mad. Maybe there's a few of them that you'd like to bite. But we know that God has called us to love our neighbors. And uh, have you ever had a time in your life 
when you were trying to love someone, maybe it was one of your neighbors, maybe someone in your family, you're trying to love them. You, you know God's heart for us to show love to others, and yet it, it wasn't working out. You're trying your very best uh, to do the right thing. And so that's what happened with one of our neighbors in Oregon a number of years ago. We were uh, church planters in uh, Oregon and served there for about 13 years. And um, so this is what happened with our neighbor. And our neighbor's name was Jerry. And Jerry, he didn't know the Lord and his family. They didn't know the Lord. And so we were actively engaged in trying to share the gospel with this family. And so um, one night, my daughter and I, Catherine, who's here tonight, uh, home for the summer from college, we were going to soccer practice and we were late. And so we had jumped into our van and a friend of ours had just come up and parked kind of weird sideways. And so her lights, our friend's lights were shining right in my eyes as I was trying to back out of the back out of our driveway. And it was really dark and the lights are in my eyes. And I did not realize my neighbor, Jerry, had parked his brand new diesel truck rig right out in front of his door. I mean, you know, it was on his side of the street. I pull out, bam! Isn't that a heart-wrenching sound? You ever been there? You know what I mean? Oh, I, oh, it's just, it's making me sick right now even thinking about it. And, and so I was like, oh, man, oh, what is that? And so we pull the van back into the driveway, and I get out, and of course I'm thinking, oh, man, that's, that's Jerry's brand new truck. And it was nice. It was nice. And oh, so I told Catherine, well, come on, we're going to be late, but I, I got to go talk to Jerry. And so I went and knocked on his door, and Jerry, I am so sorry. And Jerry never parked his truck there. But, I mean, that was not an excuse. It was my fault. I mean, I just wasn't paying attention. And, and so I, I didn't try to make any excuses, and I just said, Jerry, I'm so sorry. I just ran into the side of your truck with my van. And I am, oh, man, I'm, I'm just, this is, this is bad, but we have insurance and all, and so we'll pay for it. You don't have to worry about a thing. But I wanted you to know, because I'm about to head on down the road to soccer practice. And he's like, oh, Michael, no problem here. You know, we'll, we'll figure it all out. And, and so we went to soccer practice, and... The next day, I saw him. We exchanged insurance information, you know, all that drill. And so his truck got hauled off. And we lived in a little town called Scapoose, and it was about 30 miles away from Portland. Well, Portland was where he had to get his truck fixed. And so evidently, it was a real hassle for him to have to go over there and arrange for it. And, and so he had a really hard time arranging for it. And, and three or four weeks later, his truck had come back. And, and so I, I thought, I assumed everything was great. And one Friday evening, we were having our uh, life group, our small group at our home. We led a group that met on Friday evenings. And so all of the folks in our group had kind of parked their vehicles out along the street and everything like that. And, and so we were sitting, studying the Bible together, sharing with one another, praising God, you know, kind of a holy huddle. And there was a knock on the door. And so uh, one of us went to the door, and it was my neighbor, Jerry, and his eyes were like fire, and he started cussing at me. 
I mean, it was ugly. He's cussing at me. He's angry. He's saying, I want all you people to get all your cars off this street. Every time I turn around, you're having a church service here. And Jerry had never been like that to me. I mean, it completely floored me. And I was like, yeah, dude, we're, no, we'll move our cars. Somebody had parked their car in such a way that he couldn't, he'd like to back his truck in. But it was worse than just like, hey, could you get someone to move your car so I can back my truck in? I mean, he was just angry. He was mad. And so Mary and I were looking at each other like, wow, this is really weird. And, and so he closed the door and I said, oh, gosh, I'm sorry, folks. I'm sorry. That was so awkward. Let's pray for my neighbor. And so we we're praying for Jerry. And the next day I thought, OK, well, I need to go see him. And so I went over to his house. I knocked on the door. And he's, he has got this look in his face. And he's like, Michael, I do not want to talk to you right now. And I go, Jerry, what's wrong? What's wrong? He said, come out with here. Come out right with me right now. And so he went to show me his truck. I got my truck back yesterday. You know what a pain it was for me to have to go into Portland and all of this? And I thought, wow, I could have offered to help. I didn't realize this. And so the door where I had smashed into it looked great. They had put a brand new door on it. And he said, look down here. And in the very bottom, and I don't understand trucks, but there was a piece of metal at the very bottom, and it was just all messed up. And they had smoothed it out, and they had painted it, but basically, in order to replace that piece, they would have had to taken the whole truck down to the frame. So not only had I just banged into his door, I had really permanently damaged this truck. And to be honest with you, at the time, my response, I mean, it wasn't flippant, but where I was at, I don't know if you, I mean, we always drive kind of used cars. The engine light is always flashing on them and everything, and we just kind of live in that world. And so for us, cars are not a real, you know, not a super, I mean, my wife wants to have one that is always driving, but for me, um, you know, okay, that's great. And, and uh, but I tried to be nice and godly and my response is a dude I'm so sorry wow what can we do he says Michael you I know you you're a teacher and a minister you don't make enough money to buy me a new truck there is nothing you can do about this and I just felt horrible and I didn't know what to do so I was like well Jerry I'm so sorry is there anything I can do to make this up to you and he just said no just go away I was so heartbroken because here we are trying to reach this family with the gospel, but there was a barrier. There was nothing that I could do to show love to my neighbor. And we know we're supposed to do this. We know we're supposed to be involved in people's lives and, and sharing the gospel with them. But sometimes there's just something that comes between us. And I think we maybe all kind of struggle in this area. We know that we're supposed to be sharing the gospel. Maybe we're too busy. <laughs> maybe we feel like our neighbors are just kind of weird. Maybe we don't get along with them. Something has come between us. Somebody in your life that you know you want to share the gospel with. How can we do that when there are all these barriers in between us? 
And so what I want us to do tonight is I want us to look in just a, a brief passage of Scripture and see what the Bible says about this matter of loving our neighbors. And that's our life question for tonight. How can I love my neighbors? So go ahead and open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. And our text this evening is verses 13 through 15. Galatians 5, 13 through 15. And let's see what God has to say about this matter of loving our neighbors. This is the amplified version. Listen to the word of the Lord tonight. For you, brethren, were indeed called to freedom. Only do not let your freedom be an incentive to your flesh and an opportunity or excuse for selfishness. But through love, you should serve one another. For the whole law concerning human relationships is complied with the one precept. You shall love your neighbor as you do yourself. But if you bite and devour one another in partisan strife, be careful that you and your whole fellowship are not consumed by one another. Paul starts this passage off and he says, you are called to freedom. But one of the things that he makes uh, uh, very clear here is that freedom is not about us. And we, we tend to, we tend to gravitate towards making freedom about ourselves. I'm free. And so that means I get to do whatever I want to do, right? I, I get to live my life in my terms and in my way. And so we, we tend to make freedom about ourselves. But Paul is saying that's not what freedom is about. It's about using that freedom not as a platform for self, but as a platform for then to be released to love others. Don't make freedom about yourself. It reminds me of the story about a mom who was making pancakes one morning for her two sons. Kevin was five and Ryan was three. And the boys were arguing with each other about who should get the first pancake. And mom saw this as a teachable moment and the opportunity for a moral lesson. And so she said, well, boys, you know, if, if Jesus was here, he'd say, let my brother have the first pancake and I can wait. And so Kevin turned to his younger brother and said, Ryan, why don't you be Jesus this morning? <laughs> We, we tend to make something good, and we take it and make it about us. Um, maybe we laugh at this story, but you know what? And, and I think this is a part of what Paul is saying here. We can even take something that's spiritual, say our joy in Christ, and we make it about ourselves. And here's what I mean. We, we keep it to ourselves, and we don't think about, we don't, Consider our neighbor who's lost and doesn't know Christ. We're perfectly happy to come to a place like this. We enjoy our wonderful blessings in Christ. But are we thinking about those around us who are lost? Are we willing to take the life-transforming power of the gospel to them? And that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, don't use freedom on yourself. Don't make it about you. But since Christ has made you free, 
Now, use that freedom to love others. You know, we have so much to be thankful for. Amen? So many blessings. Jesus Christ has set you free from the slavery and bondage of your sin. Hallelujah. Your past is forgiven. Your life today is filled with purpose and meaning. Your life to come is eternal and secure. We have the comfort and peace of God with his presence in our lives each day. We have the power, the anointing of the Holy Spirit to live out our lives the way that God created us. We have joy. We have love. We have hope. Hallelujah. Praise be to God for our riches in Christ. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. Give God praise tonight. Amen. Give him praise. Listen, we have so much to be thankful to our God for. And so what Paul is saying is, listen, you've got all this, man, oh man, your life is just bursting. It's just so full. So then out of that place, out of that fullness, live to love others. And I want you to listen to this statement. Because Jesus Christ has met the deepest needs in your life. You are truly free now to love like he does. Because Jesus Christ can and is able to. He is enough to meet every need in your heart and your life tonight. I don't know where you're at this evening. I don't know what struggle you're facing. God is powerful. The psalmist says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Trust in him with that situation you're facing. Trust in him that he is good. And it's out of this place that because Christ has met my deepest need, now I can truly love like he does. Look at this verse, Psalm 87, 7. Such a cool verse of scripture. It says, all my springs... My sources of life and joy are in you. Ever been to some of the springs around here, the Itchituckney? It's so amazing to see that source of water that just keeps flowing and flowing and flowing and flowing. Life in Christ is just like that spring. Jesus Christ said, he who trusts in me, he who believes in me, out of his life will flow living water. And when my life is like that, I'm not the spring. It's Jesus Christ in me who has transformed me, who has changed me. It's his Holy Spirit in my life that's flowing out. And it, and it just encompasses our lives. And it meets your every need. You find everything that you need, joy, peace, hope, strength in Christ. Receive it tonight. Receive it tonight. Oh, Lord, I receive your hope tonight. I receive your grace tonight. I receive your strength. Oh, God, I need you. God, I can't do this without you. Please help me. And when we live in that kind of way, allowing the gospel to transform us each day, Jesus comes in and he meets that need in your life. 
and he puts you in a place. He says, now that you're free, love one another. Don't use your freedom as a platform for yourself, continuing to feed yourself because Jesus has already fed you. Only Jesus Christ can meet the deepest needs in your life. That's why Paul could say in Philippians 4.11, For I have learned to be satisfied with what I have. Paul had discovered the secret of contentment because Jesus Christ had met his need. Let me ask you something. Are you resting tonight in Christ's all-satisfying love? It's only here that we can find our deepest needs met. Amen? So, now because of Christ's all-satisfying love, we're freed to love others. And this is where we run into a real problem. Because then we begin to look at how Christ's love, the supreme picture was when he was on the cross. And he said in Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And I don't know about you, but that kind of love is hard. As a matter of fact, that kind of love is impossible for us. That's why Paul talks about our flesh here, because even at our best, we cannot love like Jesus does. But the good news is that Jesus, through the gospel in our lives, every day transforms us into loving people. You and I, as individuals, are broken. We cannot love like Jesus does. But through the, the, but through the transforming power of the gospel and the work of the Holy Spirit within us, he can form us into loving people. That's why Paul talks about the work of the Spirit in the rest of this chapter. He talks about walking in the Spirit. He talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It's only going to come through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can love our neighbors. Bob Thune and Will Walker express this truth in their work that's called the gospel-centered life. Listen to what they say. The gospel is not just the answer to your internal sins, struggles, and heart idols. It is also the answer to your failure to love others, engage the culture, and live missionally. If the gospel is renewing you internally, it will also be propelling you externally. It must do so, for it is the good news of the kingdom. And the kingdom of God is not personal and private. Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when we pray for the coming of God's kingdom, we're praying both that Jesus would reign in the hearts of people internally and that his will would be done everywhere just as it is in heaven externally. So you see, it's the gospel that transforms us and makes us into people who can love. And when I look in scripture and I see my life, here I am. And here's the scripture, the standard, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Those people who had accused him wrongly, Jesus was completely innocent. 
who had spit upon him, who had beaten him, who were crucifying him. And he lovingly says, Father, forgive them. And I look at my life and I say, Lord, I could never do that. That's where the gospel changes me. Say, Lord, forgive me. I can't love like that, but you can love like that through me. Would you change my life? I need you. Would you change me by the power of the gospel? I want us to watch a little video here about a family that's seeking to reach out and love their neighbors in Austin, Texas. Let's watch this. God can take us anywhere, and we're prepared to go wherever He wants us to go, but while He's got us here, we view this neighborhood as our long-term mission field. We've been married for, gosh, what, 12? 12 years. 12 years, and we've lived here in this lovely house in Circle C for eight. As we got to know the neighbors, like right off, we knew we were going to love getting to hang out here. There were just a lot of people that were very welcoming when we got here. Everybody was quick to come over and greet us. I think one thing that we're real sensitive to is how much we're leaving our neighborhood. So just being available, being here, being present, being willing to go out front and throw the football or um, gosh, gardening or whatever it is that helps get outside and connect with the neighbor. We got this old school projector and Brandon used his old school laptop and we play play movies and we just pull has it, it changed much is no, it like it's, new yeah, school it's, it's, it's getting okay, good. It's good so we would just play movies on our on our garage door and all the all the kids would come we'd say movie night popcorn it's so simple during the movies the kids will get sucked into the movie and then the parents kind of back off and just sit around kind of it's the perimeter fun. and talk and get to know each other and it's just really yeah great lots of great memories lots of great conversations Brandon and I are pretty intense. We're pretty intentional. We come off strong sometimes, so we have to kind of, we're like, so, do you love Jesus? Do you go to church? Do you want to come to our Bible study? And they're kind of like, you're crazy. We had one situation where uh, a neighbor came over and and was kind of caught off guard by some of the conversation topic, the directness about Christ, and kind of reminded her of maybe church when she was a kid and it Mm kind of left a bad taste in her mouth and it was a big mess up like it just really was and we were like whoa we did not that didn't go the way we wanted it to and God still used it like he was still like I'm bigger than this and I can still use something that was out of control or maybe messy and it was the coolest thing when she came over one day after she had gone to church and she said Becca I get it like I get it and then it's been neat to kind of help walk walk through her growth and it's hard it's hard right it's hard for me and and I, I think that's what I always remind her of I'm growing too so a lot of times we would spend so much time controlling conversations and making sure things would happen that we thought would would foster you know a good environment actually when it's when we backed off a little bit and realized we're not in control and the Holy Spirit is in control there's a lot of relief for them and for us and yeah. time and time again he's just convinced us that we need to get out of the way a lot of times. 
I think one thing we have struggled with is feeling like, okay, we have to have it all together before we can let people in. And I think I would just encourage people, it's never gonna be perfect. This has been our eight year journey and God has given us this gift and opportunity to really um, get to know our neighbors and we've been willing and available and that's how God's wired us and we're so grateful for it, but we are still wrestling and figuring it out. God's humbling us on a regular basis. It, it's not easy. It's it's human beings. It's sin. It's brokenness. It's um, it, it's messy. When I think of Christ and what He's done for me, it, it actually helps me pursue my neighbors uh, in kind of an unconditional, relentless way, kind of like He pursues me every day. We really do feel called to view our neighborhood as a mission field. It's a place that is um, without Christ. People look different here than they do in other parts of the, the world, but they have the same needs, they have the same hurts, they have the same life struggles that I think the gospel applies to. My long-term vision is that everyone on this street is saved, mm -hmm. and I pray for it. I am praying for their salvation, and mm -hmm. I think God can do it. Like, I really, really do. It's kind of exciting just to talk about, because I'm like, he can do anything. So, what if we began to look at our neighborhoods, our schools, our workplace, with that kind of intentionality? I don't know many of you are already involved in those kinds of things. What if more and more of us began to surrender our hearts to the gospel, realizing that we don't have to be perfect, to go out there and to minister to people and just say, Holy Spirit, I can't do this. Would you do this through me? What if we began to intentionally love our neighbors with the love of Christ, to begin to love people on our campus, to begin to love people at our schools, to begin to love people at our workplace? I think if we all began to do that, I think our world would be radically changed. Amen? Amen? So here's our encouragement, and here's the homework for this. Uh, next Sunday night, because of the 4th of July weekend, we won't be having our uh, Sunday evening service. And so what we want to encourage you to do, rather than focusing on ourselves, we would encourage you to try to do something in your neighborhood or with your neighbors. And so, uh, as I shared with you a little earlier this morning, Amelia, through our uh, life groups, had put together a handout, and it has on it some practical ways, uh, some fun ways to love people in your neighborhood. We passed out that list at the beginning of the service. Do we still have a few of those left? If anybody hasn't received that list, um, just raise your hands. I don't know if we have any left. If nobody comes to you, that means we're out. Uh, but we'll make more. And, but these are just some very cool ways uh, to love people in your neighborhood. And so I want to I encourage you just to look at this list. Maybe you'll do a movie night like these folks have done here on the video. Maybe look at the list. Or some, one of them was like an art exchange. Maybe you're into art. And so you've got a bunch of art. You're like, let's exchange art around the neighborhood. Maybe you've got some pictures that you'd love to see in someone else's home. And so, uh, I don't know, you could do that. So, but look over that, talk about it with your family or whoever you live with, and uh, then pray and then ask God 
for a way to connect with them. And so here's what we'd like to do. We'd love to hear your story. So our tech team has come up with a hashtag, and it's hashtag loving our neighbors. All right, so if you do something next weekend or maybe over the, over the summer and uh, you connect with your neighbors or do something or start a Bible study at your office or something like that, and then hashtag that experience to your Twitter account or to your Facebook account. Michael and Taylor have explained all of this to me several times, and I still don't get it. All I know is they can find it. And so praise the Lord. So just hashtag loving our neighbors. We would love to hear your story. And then we're going to celebrate those stories and see what God does uh, through us loving our neighbors for his glory. Amen. So I know you're dying. You're like, so what happened to Jerry? So what happened? Because I don't want to leave you hanging there. So I'm going to Paul Harvey it now. I'm going to tell you the rest of the story. So um, I was just really, really heartbroken because after that point, Jerry would not even talk to me. He and I used to, we, I mean, we just lived, I mean, it was from, you know, me to you and me, Frank, he'd be out mowing his lawn and I'd be out mowing my lawn. Hey, Jerry, how you doing, man? How's it going? All right, man. I'd see him out there. He'd turn and walk away. For weeks, this went on. I I mean, really, I was, I was heartbroken and and I, I was just struggling with it. And so one day I was walking with a guy from our church. His name was Todd. And Todd was one of these guys. He just looked at life from a very, very different perspective. And so we were walking, and, and I was talking and saying, I don't see what Jerry's problem is. You know what I mean? I mean, they mostly fixed his truck and everything. What's the big deal? It's just a truck and all this. And my friend, Todd, he's like, Michael, have you really thought about this whole thing from Jerry's perspective? I was like, huh? What do you mean? And he said, I ask you something. If somebody were to come to your house and destroy something that was really valuable to you, how would you feel? I was like, what do you mean? He said, well, what's most precious to you? I said, well, my family. Somebody came and irreparably destroyed your family. How would you feel about that person? And I knew where he was going. I was like, oh, no, 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 dude, this is different. Okay, that's my family. That's just a truck. He said, but in his eyes, you destroyed something that was very valuable to him. Whether you value it or not, he does. And it was like the light bulb went off. Paul says, love your neighbors in the same way that you love yourself. I needed to see this from Jerry's perspective. I needed to love him, not like I wanted to, but what from his own perspective. I need to get inside his skin, inside his shoes. And I realized for the first time, whether I agreed or disagreed with how he felt about a truck, which I think was like forty dollars or $50,000. I mean, it was an expensive truck. And I realized it the first time, and it really broke me because I thought, wow, I've I've destroyed something in his life that he holds very valuable. So I just started praying, okay, God, give me the words to say. And he hadn't spoken to me in weeks. And I just got real brave one Saturday morning. I just went over and I knocked on his door. He came out, Michael, what do you want? And I said, dude, 
I'm so sorry. I didn't understand where you were at, and I'm trying to. Your truck is really valuable to you. And, and I was just very callous about that, and I was probably to you seeming very flippant about it like I really didn't care. I am so sorry that I broke your truck in such a way that it can never be repaired back to the way it was. I'm so sorry. I said, if I had the money, I said, no, I don't. I don't have the money. I would. I'd do anything to help that. And it was as if the Lord, by the Holy Spirit, removed that barrier. He said, I know. I know it's just a truck. I was just really mad at you. I said, I know too, man. And we went out and we looked at it and he kind of kicked at it and everything. You know how guys do, you know? We kicked at it and talked some more. We didn't hug each other or anything like that. But God had removed that barrier. To this day, we're still good friends with Jerry and his family. But it, it took a change in my heart. I had to love him like I love myself. I had to see his pain, his hurt from his perspective. And through that, God removed the barrier. I could not love Jerry until I understood him and identified with his need. And you know what? That's what Jesus Christ has done for us. Amen? He came to this earth. He identified with our greatest need, our need for salvation. And so if you've never received Christ, we invite you tonight to make him the Lord and Savior of your life. Ask Jesus to save you by his gospel for the first time tonight. Or maybe you want to ask Jesus to help you to walk in the power of the gospel in loving your neighbors I want to challenge all of us to do this. Try one of the things we talked about and then share your story. Amen? Let's pray together. So, Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for your gospel that sets us free. I pray for those who are in the room tonight, maybe who've heard the gospel proclaimed, and they would say, I want to receive Christ You could do that right now and just ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Ask him to come into your life. Ask him to set you free. Lord, help us to be loving and we recognize that we can't love like you do. And so we ask that you would transform us, transform our brokenness, make us more and more into a loving people who love like you. Father, I pray for all those who are under the sound of my voice this evening in this room and over the internet that you would challenge us, fill us with dreams and visions to be able to go out and be salt and light in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our schools, and to try some of these ideas to share the love of Christ with someone else over the next few weeks. So maybe we be may we be faithful to this opportunity. We love you. We praise you. And we ask these things in Jesus name. Amen.